0: This is Christopher Penn of the Financial Aid Podcast, PodCamp and Marketing Over Coffee. With the price of gold at all-time highs, this is probably the closest you'll ever get to 10 gold in anything. So enjoy the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast with Jay Berkowitz.
1: Welcome to episode number 23 of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. We have one of the world's top marketing bloggers and the author of a new book called Personality Not Included. We have a bunch of great call-ins, A joke of the week, and some exciting news for one of our favorite podcasters. So let's get to it.
2: Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now, here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz.
1: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever this podcast finds you, thank you so much for joining us for number 23. If you're a regular listener, it's been a while since we've been together. And if you're listening to back episodes, and it's sometime in 2010, I guess this is just kind of like some back-to-the-future lost time-shifting adventure, so it won't really matter. I'm working on a couple really exciting projects. We're finally getting down to the short strokes on the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing book. We're going to have it finished by eBay Live on June 18th to 20th. We're also working on an Internet Marketing Certificate course for a major university, and we'll have a lot more news on that coming up soon. If you enjoy this show, you can subscribe at iTunes, and you'll get every episode for free, or you can listen to each show at 10goldenrules.com. We'd love you to be a part of the show. Please call our digital call-in line any time of the day or night. It's an automated recording system, and we'll play your question or comments on the show, and we'll give you a link to your website on the show notes. The phone number is 206 6606 or you can record a digital comment and email it to me, j at 10goldenrules.com. At the start of the show, we heard from Christopher S. Penn. He's the co-founder of PodCamps, the host of the Financial Aid Podcast, and a great show called Marketing Over Coffee. I spent about an hour conversing with uh, Christopher. We talked internet marketing, personal branding, podcasting, and he's one of the sharpest minds and best technical practitioners in our space. That show will be up next, along with audio from the American Advertising Federation and a marketing meetup we held in Miami, a networking dinner with Joseph Jaffe from Jaffe Juice, Author of Life After the Thirty Seconds, Spot, and join the conversation, and J. C. Hutchins, another author, who did a Podio book, which is a podcast audio book, and it's called the Seventh Sun series. And you might want to check that out, out at PodioBook.com or JCHutchins.net. I'm excited to announce we have a new sponsor for the show. I want to include the sponsor messaging incorporated into the content of the show. So if you like this product as much as I do, please call in and tell us how you use it. And we'll feature case studies and call-ins and interviews, as opposed to old-fashioned style ads. So the story behind this new sponsor product is that it's the single most valuable piece of technology to come to 10 Golden Rules since Cast Blaster. And Cast Blaster is the software we use to record this podcast. So since I love this product so much, I actually contacted a marketing director I know at the company and I said I'd love for them to sponsor the show we worked out a deal and we have a new sponsor I'm proud to announce that GoToMeeting and GoToWebinar will be our sponsor and partner of the 10 golden rules podcast now I really do love this product so I'm not really just shilling for something I'm not really really happy with but if you haven't been on a GoToMeeting here's how it works it's a web-based software system you set up a meeting in advance It comes with a conference call phone number and a website login with a private meeting code. So I send out the code to all my meeting invitees. They call the phone number, and separately they click the link and log into the system, and voila, they can see my computer screen. So I can show them a PowerPoint. We can go live on the Internet. I can play them a podcast. I can work on a spreadsheet together with them, and I can even flip the screen back over to them, and they can show me something they're working on. So it saved a ton of travel. We do a weekly meeting with every client at 10 Golden Rules. So the product has been totally effective and reliable for us. And I'm really happy to be uh, working together with GoToMeeting and GoToWebinar. So enough of my raving. Please call in if you've used GoToMeeting, if you've been on a GoToMeeting. Tell me how it worked and we'll, we'll put it on a future show. The call in number again, 206-888-6606. Uh, one more announcement: June twenty-sixth is going to be the first anniversary of the Ten Golden Rules podcast. So I'm going to work out all the details, but I'd love you to join me on a live show. We'll use the GoToWebinar product. I'll do a live webinar presentation, and we'll take your calls live, answer some questions, and have some fun. So please please mark your calendars. We'll do it at June 26th, 12 o'clock noon Eastern Standard Time. That shouldn't be too early for the guys on the West Coast, and Hopefully some, some of the folks in Europe and um, around the world can join in. 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. We'll have some fun with a live podcast. That is, unless you're the guy who's listening to this old show in 2010, and then you're just going to have to listen to the recording of the first anniversary show. Now, this is just about the longest setup ever, so quickly I'm going to go through upcoming events and we'll get to some calls. Uh, Ten things every CEO needs to know about the Internet will be May 29th in Boca Raton. June 3rd, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. at SIPA's National Conference. And we're going to have a geek dinner on June 2nd. eBay Live, June 19th and 20th in Chicago. Another uh, geek dinner marketing meetup planned for Chicago. So look for all the event links for upcoming speaking engagements and travel at 10goldenrules.com right there on the homepage. Now, let's get to some calls and emails. First up is Brian McGovern. Hey, Jay, it's Brian McGovern from TV, one of those dreadful .tv domains. Just heard your message about Seth Godin's new book, and I'm a big Seth Godin
3: fan, so if I'm up for a book, let me know. You could uh, let me know on the next podcast, I suppose. Thanks. Bye.
1: Thanks for calling, Brian. And um, for those of you who didn't listen to the last show, I did a book review of Seth Godin's amazing new book called Meatball Sunday. And I promised to give out a copy of the book to a random caller or emailer who mentioned the book. Now, I actually received another copy of the book from Will Weiser at Seth's Publisher. So we're going to have two winners. And Brian and Robin Heppel, who pinged me on Facebook, were um, a couple of the um, win- uh, the people who talked about the book. So... Um, Check, check out Facebook as well. It's been great. A bunch of podcast listeners have been connecting with me on Facebook and LinkedIn, so please do that. And congratulations to Brian and, and um, Robin Heppel, and we'll get the books out to you in the mail this week.
2: Hi, Jay. How are you? It's Mark Mitchell from New Jersey. Really, really enjoying your podcast. I had a question for you. I use Google Analytics uh, on my affiliate site. And I'm wondering if you have any concerns or any questions have ever been raised with regards to the data that we're making available to Google through using analytics. And any concerns, since Google is so user result oriented, if things like high bounce rates or conversion goals, weakened conversion goals, um, can be used sort of as a way of telling Google that your site is not as user friendly or performing oriented performance oriented and i wondered if you had ever come across any of this information and what your ideas were again this is mark from new jersey i hope everybody's well enjoy the podcast thanks jay
1: thanks mark that's a great call and a great question so i went to the source to answer your question i emailed avinash Kaushik now avinash for those of you not familiar is google's analytics evangelist And the way analytics works, it works with a small line of code that you add to your website. You basically copy and paste a little bit of um, HTML code onto every page on your website. And I apologize, this is a non-technical description, but I'm just trying to make it easy. So the code sends a message to Google every time anyone comes to your website. It calculates where they came from. If they came from a Google search, it tracks what keyword phrase they searched, to get to your site. It does the same thing with MSN, Yahoo. It tells you other referring sites, who's sending the most traffic to your site. And when people get there, do they sign up for your e-newsletter? Do they purchase something? So now you know where people came from to your site and what they do on your site. How many people leave without making a purchase? How many people just come to one page and exit the site? And it gives you the ability to refine your site performance based on the metrics you get from analytics. Best of all, the analytics tool is completely free of charge. So, I emailed Avinash with your question and here's his response. He said, please thank Mark Mitchell for the question. User data and customer trust is something that Google takes very seriously. Specifically for Google Analytics, it puts you in charge of determining what kind of data you want to share with Google, including none at all. You have a choice. You get to decide. And Avinash referred me to a very helpful article that shares all the context and details about Google Analytics and data sharing. And I'll put the link in the show notes. And there, there's, I basically pulled out three questions from that link, from the um, questions about Google Analytics data sharing. The first question, what does it mean to share my Google Analytics data with Google products only? If you choose to share your site's data, Google will use the data to improve the products and services we provide you. Additionally, only users who have opted to share their site's data with Google may use these new and improved services. Next question. Will sharing my data directly affect the ranking of my natural search results, ad quality score, or ad placement? Your website data will not be used to affect your natural search results. Ad quality score or ad placement, aggregate data across many many customers, will be used to improve our products and services. So I think that answers Mark's question directly. Google... um, Adding Google Analytics will not affect your website's performance, according to this official statement from Google. And finally, there's a new option in Analytics called benchmarking. And the question is, why should I share my data? Many customers have requested benchmarking and conversion based advertising features. If you wish to help improve our services and take advantage of these enhanced features once we release them, select the corresponding data sharing settings. So basically, if you Allow Google to share your data. They won't give your data individually. They'll only share it in an amalgamated manner. So all of our website datas will be combined together. They will provide benchmarking in the future. So, for example, if you're in the um, you know, automobile industry, they will show you results for the entire automobile industry, and you'll get to benchmark your data against a standard for uh, all Internet data.
0: Hey, it's Joy Howell. I was just trying to, um, uh, experimenting here, trying to get to episode 18, Google Analytics, Avinash Kaushik, who you had recommended to me, but um, I'm not quite sure how to do this. How do I get to the actual podcast, I guess, is the question. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Well, thanks for calling, Joy. And I get this question quite a bit, so I wanted to include Joy's question. As a matter of fact, Trish Jackson who uh, has been uh, corresponding on Facebook, and she left a really nice review in iTunes. Thank you so much for doing that, Trish. Had a similar question, and she wanted to know how to get the show on iTunes. So if you're listening to this show on 10 Golden Rules or on another podcast service, you might want to know that you can get iTunes for free. You go to apple.com slash iTunes slash download, and I'll put this link in the show notes. Basically, iTunes is free software from Apple and you can get a bunch of great free podcasts and you can download songs and movies to your computer and you don't even need an iPod to get podcast subscriptions. A lot of times I'll use my computer, burn a bunch of podcasts onto a CD and take it with me like if I'm going out of town and I know I've got a long drive in a rental car, I'll just burn a CD. So iTunes gives you incredible capability to take your music, your podcasts, uh, movies, etc., with you. So I recommended show number 18, where we interviewed Avinash Kaushik from Google, the analytics expert, to Joy. And on that show, Avinash explains how to use this amazing analytics product, um, how it works, and um, more about it. So that kind of fills in the backstory from Mark Mitchell's question. Now let's have a little bit of fun with Larry Port and the joke of the week.
3: This is Larry Port from RocketMatter.com with the joke
1: of the week. A woman gets on a bus with her baby. The bus driver says, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. Ugh. The woman goes to the rear of the bus and sits down, fuming. She says to a man next to her, the driver just insulted me. The man says, you go right up there and tell him off. Go ahead, I'll hold your monkey for you. This is Larry Port from RocketMatter.com with the joke <laughs> Of the week Okay, Larry That's Larry Port from Rocket Matter I'm playing the joke live So I get to enjoy it with you Uh, (laughs) That that one came up quick Okay, so um, (laughs) Now let's award The blog or podcast Of the week Long-time listeners of the show know that Mitch Joel from Twist Image was instrumental in helping us start this podcast. His podcast, The Six Pixels of Separation, recently celebrated show number 100. I called in to congratulate Mitch, and here's the audio. (laughs) In one minute, five, four, three, two. Hi, Mitch. It's Jay Berkowitz calling, and I wanted to congratulate you on show number 101. Why 101? There's an amazing story in Sports Illustrated. And Dale Webster is a surfer who has surfed every single day for the last 32 years. And a couple years ago, he hit a Guinness Book of World Records, number 10,000. And the media was there, and a bunch of surfers were there with him. And the next day, he got up and he went surfing. And he's now surfed 1,919 consecutive days. A great story in Sports Illustrated, and it reminded me of you, you're the Dale Webster of podcasting. Every week, you get the shows out. They're amazing. The quality's great. Congratulations on show 101.
2: All right, man. Well, here it is. This is show number 101 of Six Pixels of Separation of the Twisty Match podcast. Couldn't be happier as I hit the button. The Montreal Canadiens, or as we call them here, the Habs, just scored a goal. They're still one behind on Philadelphia. But, you know, for someone who doesn't watch hockey or care too much about sports... That's pretty significant. Maybe I should hit the record button a little bit more often. So let's go, episode 101 for April 27th, 2008. This is six pixels of separation.
3: You're listening Six Pixels of Separation featuring Mitch Joel
2: from Twisted. how are you there and how's it going i'm so excited to be here today i hope you're doing great I'm doing really well. Hello from beautiful Montreal. What's not to be excited about? we got playoffs and hockey. We've got no snow on the ground. We've got some great travel coming up, some great stories, some great connections, and amazing changes happening in the online, digital, marketing, and personal branding world, which is what we're here to talk about. So welcome to the show. Never before have I felt more passionate about building this up and getting excited about it, not because I've passed episode number 100. In fact, I'll tell you a quick little story about this whole thing here's the thing here's my reason why i'm having so much problems with this 100 in podcasting shouldn't be anything because in theory i could record a show every day i could record four shows a day i can record a show every month i can record i don't know i'm just thinking maybe it's more about anniversaries or like numbers are so weird I mean, I think Jay said it best at the front of the show. By the way, that was Jay Berkowitz from 10 Golden Rules. He's absolutely right. It's just, I'm going to keep going.
1: Okay, so there's a little sample from Mitch Joel's amazing Six Pixels of Separation. This guy does it, like I said in in my intro, and my call into his show. He does a podcast every single week. He did one from the beach. He did one on a camping trip. He did one on a plane. I wouldn't have wanted to be the person sitting next to him. Actually, I would have been, because he has great content. He has great interviews. For example, show one oh three. I just listened to at the pool yesterday. He has an interview with the amazing author of the book Presentation Zen, a gentleman named Gar Reynolds. And if you do any presenting for business, or you want to get better at PowerPoint presentations, you gotta listen to show number one oh three, and get the book Presentation Zen. So Mitch is a good friend. Congratulations on number 100, number 101, and you are 10 Golden Rules Podcast of the Week. Okay, we're about 20 minutes in, and next up is our feature interview with Rohith Bagarva. He's the amazing blogger at Influential Marketing Blog. He just launched his book called Personality Not Included, We spent almost an hour on the phone, and I had to edit it down because we were covering such a wide range of topics, but I wanted to stay focused and get this nice and tight for the show. He's as knowledgeable and philosophical about social media as anyone I know. So let's get to my conversation with Rohith, why companies lose their authenticity and how great brands get it back. I should have let you do that, right, Rohith? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I probably would have
1: screwed it you up. You wrote too, it. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I first found out about Rohith, I think three times within this, in about two weeks, I found a post on his blog, and it's called the Influential Marketing Blog. And one post I found in a Google search, another one I found on another blog, and then someone on my team sent me a third post. I believe in the rule of twos or the rule of threes. A lot of times you'll see something once. It's, it doesn't really seem like it's worth going and checking it out. But since I found out about this incredible blog three times within two weeks, I'm like, there's something really neat going on there. There's something really amazing. You know, they're intellectual. They're v- often very timely, answering a question or addressing something that's really relevant at that time for me in my business or my life. They're very often very, very actionable. So I most highly recommend the blog. And then I had this neat opportunity where a journalist called me from the Wall Street Journal and asked me to recommend my top books. And I pushed him a little bit. I said, really, in our space, blogs and podcasts are equally important to books. And so I said, can I include some of the top blogs and podcasts? And and the journalist was open to that. And so Rohith's uh, blog, as well as Seth Godin's blog, and a number of podcasts were on my list. And so I guess we first met after I connected you with the Wall Street Journal.
0: Yep, and that was uh, that was great. I you know I appreciated that. That, uh, that was a fantastic hit. Working in a in a PR agency that shines a lot of light because that's essentially what a lot of people here try and do for their clients. So it was a it was a great. Uh, yeah,
1: that was a lot of fun for me, and and I'm so happy to include you. Let's start with a little bit about your background and your role at Ogilvy, professional life as well.
0: Okay, my role right now is part of a team called the. 360 digital influence team essentially what what our group does is it helps clients to figure out what to do with social media comes from an interactive group um, and we're actually a practice group within Ogilvy Public Relations we're very much uh, we're very focused on word-of-mouth as a discipline and integrating that with social media so word-of-mouth is a lot easier to explain to people because when you talk about word-of-mouth you say well what we want to do is get the people who are buying our stuff to tell other people about it and enjoy it and become vocal enthusiasts about it, and people get that because that's not that difficult to describe. You're not talking about what's a blog, what's a wiki, what's an RSS feed. It's it, you know, you stay away from all of that stuff, and you basically say, look, all we're trying to do is have a conversation with these people. If you love something, we want you to tell other people about it, and that's what marketing is trying to achieve. And if we can explain it in that way, then you start to then you can go down the, I guess, down the funnel, if you will, and say, okay, here are all the different tools to do that.
1: I know you go way deeper than just blogger outreach or media outreach. have spoken in the past about influencers, and influencers are highly connected people who set trends, they recommended sales of products and services. Seth Godin's talked about them, Malcolm Gladwell's talked about them. But there's recently been some debate about the role of influencers, and there's been some studies examining social media sites and showing that influence is coming from a really wide range of people instead of a, a core group of influencers. Do you still believe in this model, and, and what do you think about those studies?
0: Uh, that's, that's actually a really good question, because I, I think you're right. People are starting to question it, and I think it's because a lot of people have taken the idea of influencers and interpreted it incorrectly. And what I mean by that is a lot of people have said, okay, we want to reach influencers, and the influencers are these people. And that's not actually the case because while I may be an influencer for someone when it comes to something that I'm passionate about, say luggage, for example, because I, you know, I travel a lot and I like luggage um, and I look <laughs> at a lot of different kinds and that's just me. Now and that doesn't make me an influencer. <laughs> you definitely
1: <laughs> influence all of us in the social yeah. <laughs> media space and the, you have an expertise in that online space. But c- right. And we all have,
0: with, you know, we all have yeah. these, these niches, right? That we're experts in. But that doesn't make me an influencer for to tell somebody, you know, what kind of car to drive. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's where the perception difference comes in, which is we are all influencers in the right spaces for us. And that's the concept that a lot of people start talking about, like, well, influencers don't matter and A-listers don't matter. Well, okay, if you're talking about something that the like, let's say that there's an A-lister that talks about a certain topic, like in gadget, for example, talks about consumer gadgets. Well, they matter in that space. Do they matter to tell you what kind of clothes to wear? Maybe not. So I think that that's where, that's where we need to get a little bit smarter about the idea of the idea of influence is very real. The idea that there are influencers that are influential across everything is, is I think, wrong. And I think that that's what we need to get away from. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's no influencers, right? Because there's yeah. always influencers.
1: Absolutely. So how does that touch your professional life? Um, influencer is a big part of your discussions and, and your role for your clients.
0: Uh, I think I think it is because, really, what social media has allowed these influencers to do is, if, you know, if you follow me with, if you believe what you know, what I just said about there always being influencers. And the idea of social media is that the people who are most vocal and believe and have some expertise in something now have the tools to reach a lot more than just their family and friends. If social media makes some of these influencers have a larger soapbox or a larger yeah. platform to stand on so that now they can influence a couple hundred people instead of a couple you know, tens or you know, 20 or 30 people or even a couple thousand people, Then the challenge is, if we're crafting social media strategy, how do we find the influencers that can influence those larger pools of people? Because that's what a good campaign will let you do.
1: There was an interesting... I I wish I could quote the source. There was an expert on podcasting and said that everyone is an expert in something, and that's your passion area. And you should follow your passion area, and that's where you can be a great podcaster or blogger or writer or Facebook converser.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the tagline for um, Seth Godin's uh, Squidoo site. Like, everybody's an expert in something. Because it's true. I mean, everybody's everybody knows about something.
1: It might be Seth, and, and certainly you'd never go wrong just quoting Seth, and he'd probably cover it in some way, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit specifically about the blog. It's been rated in the top 10 marketing blogs, probably even the top five marketing blogs, and the ratings are generally based on the number of other blogs and websites that link to your blog. So that's really the the ultimate credibility that other experts in the space are linking to your blog. Tell me about how you've built up the blog, and you know, have you consciously done marketing activities to try and build the blog, or is it based on the great content?
0: I think a lot of it a lot of it is based on content and um, I just want to talk about one thing that you said which is a lot of the ratings do come from other blogs that link to your blog but I think that the thing that the thing that I love to see more than anything when it comes to metrics that I sometimes talk about is when I look at the referring sites that, that traffic comes to my blog and there's a certain type of link that I can't follow and it's the link that comes when somebody has emailed the link for a blog post of mine to someone else because I obviously can't follow it back into their email program. And I love to see those because that means that somebody found something so useful that they took the link, they cut and pasted it into an email, they sent it to someone else. That means that it's going from person to person.
1: The first blog post that caught my eye, I believe you you actually created a PDF of 25 different types of blog posts. People are always asking me, "How how do I get inspiration for blog ideas? Where do you get the ideas to do blog posting as frequently as you need to. You really need to post three, four, five times a week to start getting a lot of credibility for most blogs. So do you want to talk about some of the different types of blogs, how you get inspiration for your great ideas?
0: Yeah, I think the first thing is my target, which is three posts a week, and I think that one of the major things was actually a you know as you would expect. I did a blog post about this, which is uh, you might also want to link to it in the show notes. It's called "How to Find Time to Blog When It's Not Your Day Job," and it's all about a couple of things that I'll talk about now, which is like how do I manage to get blog posts out when this is technically not part of my job. Um, And being in an agency, I fill out timesheets. So there's no timesheet line item for blogging, for me. For your personal Um, blog. Exactly right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So essentially, I do a couple things. I mean, one is that I collect ideas in a text file that's always open on my computer. And for me, it happens to be a text file just because that's the easiest thing I can cut and paste and not worry about formatting. And I, I throw in ideas, and I tend to think, maybe it's the time in advertising, but I tend to think in terms of headlines. So a lot of times, if I see a site or if I see a campaign or if I see something out there just from kind of surfing around and reading something that I think is interesting, I'll kind of take a stab at what the title for the blog post might be.
1: I'm the same as you. I do headlines. Yeah. And yeah. I know you know Scott Monty because he recently interviewed you about your book. Yep. And I, I heard Scott on a podcast saying that he does the reverse. He writes the the body copy and then lets the headline come out of the body
0: copy. I mean, yeah, and I might change the headline, you know, sometimes, but I tend to find that, I mean, if I'm making a quick note about something, yeah. you know, I tend to think that the headline helps me to jog my memory. But basically, because I have this running archive, I have... Um, all these things that I just kind of keep and, and sometimes I sit on for a while. Like the 25 Styles blog post, uh, the PDF that you mentioned, yeah. I'd probably been compiling those for, I'd say, on and off for three months. just until I kind of got to 25. I actually had a couple more, but I narrowed it down to 25. And the only reason why I turned it instead of a big blog post, because it was so significant and it would have been this really long blog post that nobody would have been able to get through, the reason why I did it as a presentation was actually because I wanted to enter it in a competition for the world's best presentation that SlideShare was running. Mm -hmm. So it was originally done as a presentation for that competition, and then it was turned into a PDF after that.
1: Oh, that's right. And it was a finalist or one of the award
3: winners. Yeah, it was
0: right? like an honorable mention. Actually, it was part of the reason why I wanted to enter that contest was because Guy Kawasaki was judging it, oh, and I wanted to, you know, get in front of get in front of him with some ideas. So that was a, that was one of the the reasons why. But um, but that's one of the tricks I tend to use. Um, the other thing that I do is I have one writing day uh, where I'm not writing the whole day, but like on the Sunday night. I usually write one blog post. I always try and post on Mondays, because that tends to be a big traffic day for me. So I'll fully write one blog post on Sunday night, and I'll half write two others, which is I'll sort of start to write it, but I won't finish it, and I'll sort of concept it out from things that I found the previous week. And then um, we were talking earlier just about commute. I take the train to work. Usually what I'll do is I'll end up writing and finishing the blog post on my train ride, which is about half an hour in the morning. And that's where I finish the blog post.
1: That's great. Yep. The regimen, the routine, a lot of bloggers and podcasters talk about that.
0: Yeah, and I think I mean, I mean think the thing to do if you're just starting out with blogging and struggling with the content issue is not to put too much pressure on yourself to get out posts all the time. I think that three posts a week for me is a good optimal number. It may not sound like that much, but given everything else that goes on, sometimes it's a struggle to get three out.
1: I actually quote you all the time and refer people to the 25 types of blogs. We hand it out all the time at 10 Golden Rules. So talk about some of the different types of blogs, because I often coach people, the easiest thing to do is just catch something interesting in your field, a blog post you read, a news story, comment on it, add a little value, and that's a really good blog post. But talk about some of the other 25 types of blogging.
0: The idea was really that there's so many people saying that, you know, here you should start a blog and here's why you should start a blog. And at the point when I wrote that, there was just so much talk about reasons for blogging and how to start a blog and how easy it was. Nobody was really talking about what a blog post should be about. And so the idea behind all of these styles was, well, I, I was looking at the different types of blog posts I did, and I tried to quantify them and say, okay, this type of blog post, like, for example, if you do a list blog post, which is a blog post that has a list in it, the potential for people to pick that up and take it and save it and pass it on to others is relatively high because people love lists. Nothing groundbreaking there. I mean, we all kind of intuitively might get that, I think. But what I did is I called that a blogging style and I rated it in terms of how hard it is to do. Um, So obviously creating a custom list about something and having some insight is more difficult than cutting and pasting something, adding a couple lines of, you know, hey, isn't this interesting? Check this out, which would be another form (laughs) of, blog posting. So the idea was to have a good mix on your blog of stuff that's relatively easy to post and stuff that takes a little bit more thought because that is an easier way to get to your three or four or five or whatever your target is per week rather than – I mean, one way, one other way that I put in there is sometimes bloggers are using Delicious to tag interesting articles throughout yep. the week. So why not just set that up automatically to do a weekly post for you on things that you saved? So there you've got a blog post that required no additional work from what you were already doing. So there's all sorts of tricks like that to help you figure out what you might want to blog about. That's great.
1: I'm sure you're familiar with the term link bait, or some people use the term link magnet. And these are great blog posts or tools on a site. Something so really strong, like your 25 styles of blogging, a lot of people are going to link to it. And so you're getting really good Google juice. You want lots of links to your site or your blog. You want relevant links. You want important links. So link bait is a term like the bait on a fish hook catches fish. Link bait catches the kind of links you want. Right. How, do you, how do you use link bait and what recommendations can you give other companies or individuals who want to get quality link bait?
0: I think that sometimes people tend to think of it a little bit in a negative sense, which is you're baiting someone to link on something when maybe it's not worthwhile. Whereas I think that the de- definition you described is, is, is definitely what it, what it should be, which is you create something that is compelling enough that somebody would want to link to it. The idea or, or the method for doing that, I mean, I don't know that there's a, a one secret to doing that. I think that the, the point is that you want to try and write something that is as compelling and as useful as possible. And then I think that what I tried to do in the 25 styles document also was, if you imagine there's these 25 different types of blog posts, from like list blog posts to like more insightful blog posts to like just link roll type blog posts, each one has a different potential to become link bait. And what I tried to do is offer each one a rating, not sure what I called it, but like a viral factor or something like that, where it's like how likely it is to become something that a lot of people will link and share. If you're just reposting something that's kind of interesting, you know, the potential for that would be probably pretty low, whereas if you're breaking news about like a new beta launch or something that nobody's ever blog posted before, obviously the potential is much higher.
1: Has there been one blog post that has been the most viral for you, or was sort of a breakthrough for you, or do they all contribute?
0: Yeah, I think the, the breakout one would have to be the social media optimization blog post.
1: Yeah, that was next um, on my list.
0: That was, uh, that was relatively early on in my blog.
1: The social media optimization, you really coined the term, right?
0: Uh, yeah, that blog post was, uh, was the first uh, use of the term.
1: Will you explain what you meant by social media optimization? We could all take it different ways and, and how people can try to use it?
0: Yeah, really it was people it was kind of a riff on search engine optimization and the idea that Uh, Search engine optimization is basically doing things to your website to make it more search friendly so that it lists higher on search. And the idea behind social media optimization was if you're going to do this to make it list more highly on search, why not optimize your site and your content so that it is more easily shared by one another? And the search engine marketers were the ones who really latched onto that idea and said, you know, if you do that and if people are sharing it, then obviously you're going to rise in search rankings. So this is really a search idea. And they took it and they really turned it into a search-based thing. But when I originally wrote it, it wasn't meant to be a search engine strategy. It was more meant to be a content sharing strategy.
1: Tell me about some of the things that happened as it took a little bit of life, uh, life you know, of its it, own. Um,
0: uh, a couple of other bloggers, uh, my original post had what I called five rules. So a couple of other bloggers added rules to that. Uh, yeah. We made it up to 17 rules, I think. Like three or four other bloggers added rules to that.
1: And people translated it into other languages.
0: Yeah, and then uh, after that, we got translated into like 20 different languages. You know, I kind of went open source with it, which I think was the absolute right thing to do. I didn't try and keep any sort of ownership over it. I said, hey, this is an idea It goes out there. If you can do something with it, if you want to build it out, then build it out. People translated it into 20 different languages. I got um, media hits. Now there's entire social media agencies that say that their main focus is social media optimization. I was actually sitting in a meeting with a guy from another agency who was talking about their services, and one of the things he was talking about that they focus on is social media optimization, and I was (laughs) sitting there just amazed at the (laughs) fact that it's kind of come full circle.
1: Yeah, what an honor, and and what a pain in the butt, too, right? (laughs) It's like, hey, uh, this uh, this is my thing. Yeah, but you started that ball rolling. Yeah.
0: See, but the thing is like, you know, when I when I when I thought about I mean it's been probably I think that was like two thousand six, so it's been, you know, probably a year and a half, maybe two years now. And the best thing that I ever did is not try and own that and make that my thing because I never wanted to be the SMO guy. And if I had done that at that stage and then I went through the same cycle that I went through now, then this book that I you know that I wrote would have had to have been about social media optimization. And that's that's not what I wanted to own.
1: That's a great segue into to the book because expected to see a, a web 2.0 book, a social media book, and yeah. it's really a brand, I've only read the introduction, but it's really looks like it's brand slash new media. You know, how do you, how do it the is. brands play in the new media sandbox? I'll read the title again. <laughs> Personality <laughs> not included, why companies lose their authenticity and how great brands get it back. Do you want to talk about why the book's titled that way and why you wrote that book?
0: Yeah, I think it's influenced by social media, but it's definitely not a blogging book. And I think the way that I've usually described it is if you imagine that there's three big categories of books, there's blogging and social media books, that's one category, one end of the triangle. There's general marketing and business books, that's the other end of the bottom of the triangle. And then there's this category of like career and self-help type of books at the top. The idea of this book is to meant to sit in between all of those. So what I'm trying to do is offer people lessons that they can use in their career to help them further their career because personality makes a difference in that. I'm trying to offer businesses a way of branding that lets them connect with their customers. And I'm trying to offer a guide to using social media to make your personality something that happens online and that you can share with your customers. So so really what I was trying to do was not focus on one area but write a book that was more broadly appealing because I think that when, you, when it comes to writing a book, you want to try and take a big idea and a strategic idea and bring that to life rather than focusing on one tactic that might get old in a year. How do you sum up personalities
1: of companies and, and, and describe what that is and make it a little bit more tactile for people?
0: The, the model that I used in the book was that personality has three core elements. If your brand or your, per, or your company has a personality, it's unique, it's authentic, and it's talkable. And each one of those pieces tends to focus on a different thing. I mean, being unique tends to focus on positioning and brand and, you know, having something different from everybody else. Being authentic tends to focus on what the brand stands for, the values, a lot of the kind of softer element. And then talkable is the whole word of mouth nature of it, which is, is it unique and authentic enough that people who really love it are compelled to tell somebody else about it? They can't help it. That's what gets you to that next stage. There was a great example in the introduction.
1: I'll try and read a little bit. I didn't do very well before, so (laughs) I can't promise anyone anything. Power is shifting from business to individuals. This empowerment through information is happening all over the world. Hollywood movies can no longer rely on a big opening weekend for a subpar movie to cover the production costs. Word is out by early Friday night. I call this the window of suckiness. (laughs) Things move so quickly and we all are twittering and blogging and posting and IMing and Facebook conversing. Do you wanna talk about how that moves so quickly?
0: Yeah, the idea that I was trying to share in, in that little piece was that you cannot suck for an entire weekend anymore. Yeah. You can only suck for half of Friday night. What becomes much more important you have to actually have higher quality which is you know, which is the main thing. Yeah. You also need to know that the word is transferring from person to person at a much greater speed and in a much higher volume than it ever has. The whole concept of the book is that being faceless doesn't work anymore and that personality matters. In fact that's actually the tagline for all the marketing because the title The problem I had with the title is, I love the title of the book, but it doesn't make sense without the subtitle. Yeah. Because if I just say personality not included, well, why is it not included? Where is it? Right? So I needed something else as a tagline for all the marketing. So the blog for the book is called Personality Matters. All the marketing says Personality Matters because that's the idea of the book, that it matters. How do you do it? That's what the book's about.
1: The other piece that I want to talk about from the book and from something that happened on your blog is personal brand. Let me ask a long-winded question. And tell a little bit of a story. You, uh-huh. you, you did something I thought was really fun and really personal. You announced on your blog that you were about to have a baby with your wife. Congratulations. Yep. That happened very successfully. Yep. And, and you. you invited myself and a number of other bloggers to do guest blogging. And so I picked up on a blog post that you made. It was about personal brand. Just as the Internet once created a level playing field for small companies to compete with larger ones, personal branding has now become much simpler thanks to the Internet you can create your brand online. For the vast majority of corporate workers, building a personal brand is the single biggest thing they can do for their careers. And then there was another string on your blog, and you talked about the value of your blog in building your own personal brand. Do you want to touch on perceptions of the, the opportunity for blogging as part of your building your personal brand and, and some of the things you talk about in the book about personal branding?
0: And I think one of the things that you'll be really interested in is there's actually a piece of content that hasn't come out yet which is all about personal branding and it relates to the book. Because the idea of the book is very focused on uh, what organizations can do to build their personality. And a a relative part of that is, is employees. But I realized that the flow of the book is very organization focused, as it should be, because that's really the audience that it's targeting. But there was a gap in writing it that I realized, which was all about the personal brand and how important personality is to that. And that didn't really, uh, I mean, the problem with with writing a book like this is you can't just stick things in there that you think are important if it doesn't fit with the flow of the book because you're trying to tell a story
1: and you're trying and so to l- I, legitimately do a book right yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, this, exactly this is a book you know
0: so um yeah so you, you don't want to just go off on tangents and you know and you can't hyperlink something right uh, so essentially what i was thinking about is well how do i take all these ideas that i've come up with around personal branding and offer something of value and what i decided to do is a companion ebook that is going to be released online and offered in certain places um sometimes as like a Know, download with purchase of a book. Some places I'll do some promotion, but in the next couple of weeks, you'll start to see that roll out. Okay, oh, and that is essentially an e-book version, which is focused on personal branding. Which is how do I use personality to build my personal brand? How do I use blogging to do that? What are all the different pieces that I can put in? Talk a little bit about my social, what I created on my blog, which which I called my social media bio which is essentially a super social media version of my personal bio, which is actually online right now. If you go to aboutrohit.com.
1: Aboutrohit on influentialmarketingblog.com. Let me touch on a couple of the things I wrote in my post. The first one I said is be your own brand manager. Think of yourself as a brand. If you were a personal brand, what have you done to improve your brand? What have you done to improve your resume? What have you done to build new skill sets? So thinking of yourself like a brand manager. What are you doing for yourself?
0: Uh, I think that's absolutely right. I think that you know, the biggest thing about being a brand manager, the biggest thing about being a brand manager is figuring out what's on brand and what's off brand uh, in terms of message. And then you can go into all the kind of executions and what does the brand stand for and all of these other things. So if you treat your own personal brand like that, that becomes a lens through which you not only are able to figure out what the right opportunities are for you, but you can also, figure out from a, from an ethics point of view, like what do I stand for, which is a bit of a deeper question, but it relates to, I think, brand management.
1: Number two was determine your USP, your unique selling proposition, what what makes you distinctive. Yeah. Um, and you talked about that. I said embrace your inner author and the great opportunity to author blogs and participate in other social communities. I talked about building your net and learning the skills of, of a successful networker, doing things for other people, and also just building up your network on facebook linkedin twitter what what do you think about that
0: yeah there's there's no way of kind of overstating the importance of that i mean i am i'm at a point right now with a book coming out where i'm sort of realizing the benefits of those things that i spent time doing for other people and i'm also realizing that you know i'm calling in a lot of favors because this is the thing to call them in around and i think that the central idea there is something that there's actually a section in um at the end of the book about this idea that I call karmic marketing, which is all about karma and blog karma. Yes. I think the reason why it's karma and why I use that word is not because I'm Indian. (laughs) It's, uh, It's actually because I think that the idea behind karma is that when you do something for someone, you have a belief that it will somehow relate to something that happens to you in the future, even though you may not be able to directly attribute it or measure it. If you were looking at it in a very logical sense, you could say, okay, you know, Jay, you and I met, you had the great Wall Street Journal link. That's how we got connected. Now I'm back, you know, on your show and we're doing a show. And that's a very logical string. Other people would say, okay, well, you know, this thing happened back there and now, let's say, for example, you, uh, because of, you know, this stuff, I knew somebody who was looking for the services that you provide and I told them and they told somebody else. And then they came to you and they became a client. Nobody ever told you that that's how they got in touch with you. So there's this whole situation of these things pay off, but sometimes we can't track it and measure it, which I know drives marketers crazy yeah. because they like to measure it and they like to you know, have the conversion rate and all the stuff. And especially if you're an online marketer because you've gotten used to being able to get that kind of detail. And we've kind of spoiled ourselves because now with social media and word of mouth, sometimes that just isn't there.
1: I look forward to the book, and congratulations, and I applaud you on, on getting a book written. The, the Ten Golden Rules of Internet Marketing is in a constant form of draft, and, and <laughs> it will be coming out, I promise. But, Good.
0: Uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll be one of the first to pick up a copy. <laughs> you,
1: you got it done, and I, I really applaud that. There's a couple questions I ask everyone on the podcast. So okay. what top tools and technologies are you using to improve your online productivity or have a little bit of fun online? Anything you can recommend?
0: I think that, that you've got two sides of the coin, which is um, improving efficiency sometimes doesn't go with, like, having fun. <laughs> um, unless it, unless uh, <laughs> it frees up
1: time to have some fun, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's true. I mean, I think that, you know, I'm still, uh, one of the things that's driving me a little bit crazy right now is that I don't feel like I, I have a good way to use Gmail to organize my email because there's no folders and that kind of messes me up. Yeah. So personal efficiency wise, I think I'm uh, you know I could I could probably use some help, but the tools that I tend to use most frequently right now in terms of social networks are uh, Facebook. I yeah. use Facebook a lot. LinkedIn, I've actually found to be a great tool in terms of the amount of engagement. When you put something out on Facebook, you'll get like a couple of replies. But when you put something out on LinkedIn, I mean it's amazing how many responses you tend to get from people. The other networks I use is I'm using Twitter a lot um just uh, to connect with people and find out this constant stream of what's happening. And it's a great tool I love it. Are you um, using Twitter more
1: inbound or outbound or equally
0: um I'm using it uh, i'd say i'd say probably equally i mean I'm doing a lot of stuff for uh, the book around it um I was running uh because of this uh, interview, launch interview tactic thing that I did where I invited any bloggers to interview me and then they all posted their interviews and I had almost 60 interviews over the course of 48 hours. That was huge blog buzz and then I ran a vote and then the vote tally is still happening right now and people are following it on Twitter so it's kind of this live action stream, of what's going on.
1: I was going to say, I don't, I don't see you a lot on Twitter but now I know why, I just looked it up. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't following you until one second ago.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so they I got a new uh, I got a new um person following me. That was uh, that's personal benefit, you see.
1: Yeah. And you've got a good ratio. You have you're following 429 and you have 630 followers. Okay, is you that know, a good ratio? Yeah, you <laughs> want to have more followers than following. If someone signs up to follow you and if you go and look at how many people they're following, if they're following like 1000 and there's only 19 following them, there's a good chance right. that they're just trying to build their list and they might not really have content there.
0: I created a Twitter account for the book, so that's, I think, the situation the book will be in, <laughs> yeah. where it'll be following all these people, but the reason why I did that is because I wanted to have a stream where I could do giveaways, yeah. particularly at the launch party.
1: Do you want to comment on some blogs and some books? Uh, what What are some of the books that have influenced you and helped you craft the direction you're going in, and what are the blogs that you follow?
0: I've probably, at one time or another, followed links and read pretty much every marketing blog out there. But I think where the way that I tend to read blogs is very topical as opposed to kind of waking up, getting to work, and reading through the five blogs that I read every day or the ten blogs that I read every day. That's not really how I consume any media. Yeah. I tend to just more focus on topics. If this blog wrote about something, then I'll read that, and then I'll follow that link and go to another blog, and so I'll, you know, on a daily basis, I'll tend to get to some ratio of new blogs along with blogs that I tend to hit just because they have interesting stories, and they go back and forth. So there might be a week where I'll read AdRants three or four times of the week, and then a couple of weeks will pass, and I'll, you know, I won't end up on it. And then when I go back, I'll just read the last post for the last couple of weeks all at once. So, uh, you know, I'm very fluid in how I read blogs.
1: Do you use a reader?
0: I did, but then I found that I had all these blogs in there and I just never had time to actually go through and read all of them. Mm-hmm. So I haven't, I mean, I have a reader, I have it set up, I have probably a couple hundred blogs in there, but I never use it you know, that's the thing that, that suffers for me. I mean, if it, if it comes down to reading blogs that, that I want to read versus getting a blog post out myself, I'm going to choose getting a blog post out myself.
1: I've been saying in my presentations lately that the two secrets for me are Twitter and podcasts. I now have set Twitter as my default when I open a browser, and I quickly yeah. scan about two pages of Twitter. And if it's yep. important, if it's new, if it's breaking news in our industry, someone on Twitter is going to break it. And then podcasts, for me, really shift time. Walk my dog, I listen to a 10, 15-minute podcast. I work out, I listen to a half-an-hour podcast. And it really allows me to gain more useful time in the day. Really, this stuff is the stuff that interests me the most. So people are like, well, I'm not going to work when I'm on, on an exercise bike. But for me, it's the most brain-expanding. It's the most dynamic. I, I love it. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time today and wish you all the success with your book. Thank you. And encourage everyone to uh, to get the book and definitely um, you know, subscribe to the blog in whatever way you subscribe. <laughs> I appreciate it. You, Thanks, Jay. With that, I'll wrap it up. And uh, all the links will be in the show notes. And, and Rohit, thank you so much for making the time today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening to our show today. A big thank you to Rohith Bagarva, and um, all of our emailers and Facebook messengers and callers. Mark from New Jersey, Joy Howell, Trish Jackson, Robin Heppel, Brian McGovern, Larry Port for a great joke of the week. And congratulations again to Mitch Jewell for the podcast of the week. Next show, don't miss Internet Marketing Ninja, Christopher S. Penn. And you know, be on the next show. Get, call in with questions or comments to 206 6606 Or send me an audio file by email to J at, That's J-A-Y at tengoldenrules.com. That's J A Y at T E N Goldenrules.com. Each week we end the show with a song, and this one has a great social media story. I received a note saying that Aaron Zimmer was following me on Twitter. Now, if you haven't been to Twitter, go to twittter.com slash jberkowitz, and you'll see my Twitter page. And whenever I get a Twitter invite, like the one I got from Aaron Zimmer, I go and have a look at the person's blog or podcast, and I determine whether or not I want to follow them. Are the kind of messages that they send out interesting to me or relevant to me from a business perspective? So Aaron Zimmer is a musician, and he has a band called The Generals, and they have a brand new album. So I sent Aaron a note, and I said, hey, would you like me to play some of your music on the podcast? And so here we are via Twitter, via social marketing. It's Aaron Zimmer uh, and The Generals with The Wrong Side. Thank you for listening. Have a great week, everybody.
3: you
2: Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call in line 206 888 6606.
3: This podcast is produced with Gas Blaster. Ten golden rules for all your internet marketing needs.